This is Season 2, Episode 25 of the Language Mastery Show with Ari Smith. Here's a little sample of what's coming up. There's no reason why you can't do this, other than time, obviously. But if you have the time and the motivation to want to learn a language, it's the easiest thing in the world to find a Chinese-speaking friend who you can just chat with for free. Welcome back to the Language Mastery Show. This is your host, John Fotheringham. In today's episode, I chat with Arya Smith, also known as Xiaoma, a popular YouTuber who loves practicing Mandarin on the streets of New York City and surprising unsuspecting native speakers and passersby. He also likes to do 24-hour crash courses in new languages. He's done one in Korean, and he was just about to start a new one in Fujonese, a dialect he did not speak yet, and is actually mutually unintelligible with Mandarin that he does speak. Uh, in the interview, we get into how he learned and why he learned Mandarin Chinese, his tips for mastering Chinese characters and tones, which are a very common struggling point for learners, and how you can go from absolute zero to struggling but basic conversations in a matter of days instead of many months or years, as is often the case. For show notes, go to languagemastery.com. All right, enjoy my chat with Ari. Hey, good morning. So uh, your Skype thing says at school. What? Uh... Yeah, no. So the, the at school thing is just, um, I wasn't really at school. I was on italki. This was back when I was oh, gotcha. doing a... Yeah, I was doing a, uh, I don't know if you saw the video I did where I learned Korean in 24 hours or tried to learn Korean in 24 hours and then went and spoke with strangers. Um, so That's I just wanted adventure. my, <laughs> yeah, no, it was really fun. I can talk a lot more about that. Um, but uh, no, I just spent the whole day basically on italki. So I wanted to kind of like clear out my Skype um, of, you know, people. So I was just like, all right. There were only a few status selections, and there was no status selection for like doing a twenty-four hour language challenge. So there's uh, not. I just pick the one. We, we need. We need to talk to Microsoft. That, that's a problem. There should be. Yeah, a, we do. Right, yeah. we do. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, definitely. Remind me to circle back to that if we if we don't get to that um, organically. Sure. That's a that's a a fun story. I mean, uh, that's taken speaking from day one to a whole new level. So, yeah, right. Literally day one. <laughs> yeah. Or day no, two, I, I guess. Think, right. No, it was day one. I mean, it yeah. was day, it was technically day two. Yeah. I, I, um, like if you want to talk about what I think most people get wrong about language learning, it's just sitting in the textbook in class all day long, yeah. like not just coming out and speaking. You just have to start by speaking. Like that's, it's my philosophy. Well, it's terrifying to a lot of people. It, it makes sense why people put it off and it makes sense why most people spend their time with their nose in a book or their butt in a classroom seat. Uh, yeah. but yeah, you're so right. Like that is, if, if you had to pick one habit that will actually move you forward really quickly and the one habit that most people don't do, it's, it's that it's actually speaking with people, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well let's circle back to that too. That's a, that's a really, common and challenging uh issue i think a lot of people have but let's go back to the beginning let's start from how you got into languages in the first place specifically i know mandarin's kind of your main uh language from what i can tell but yeah. perhaps you've also dabbled in, a, in other languages so if, if we were writing like a comic book of your life how, you know wh where's the the spider that bit you that got you into languages in the first place yeah i mean so when I was graduating from high school, I guess in 2008, you know, I didn't have anything to do 
that summer. And so I was just kind of browsing the New York Times back when they still had a print edition. Um, or I guess they still do, but you know, was, nobody uh, reads it. <laughs> right. Right. So, so in the, um, the classified section, there was just like a little ad that said free Chinese class for high school students. Hmm. And I was like, huh, that sounds kind of interesting. So, um, you know, I, uh, I, I kind of got in on the skin of my teeth because I technically wasn't a high school student having just graduated, but they let me do it anyway. And I'm really glad they did because that was that was like kind of the spider that bit me. You know, I I started I, I went and did it that summer and I just really fell in love. Um, it was a free U.S. government sponsored class, basically the Star Talk program. And if you don't know if you're familiar with I'm that, not, but, but it sounds pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah. They just they just I don't know if it's still active, but they kind of sponsor language training in critical languages, Mandarin, uh, Korean, Arabic, for uh, so that Americans more Americans speak these languages. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, um, I commuted every day from, from Long Island to Hunter College in New York. Um, and I just really fell in love with it. I just found, I just found the language to be so exciting. And, um, you know, we also learned a lot about the culture and the food. And, you know, we'd go to the park to play Chinese chess with people. Mm-hmm. And it was just so exciting and interesting to me that, I just totally fell in love. And so the next year when I went to college, you know, I kept up with my language studies and yeah. And then I ended up going to China, but that, that, that was basically like how it started. Nice. Yeah. And how fortuitous too, that you live in New York where there's a lot of Chinese native speakers or bilinguals, which is cool. Um, where in China did you end up? Beijing. Yeah. Actually not. So it was, yeah, I, I, I've been to China uh, a few times, but I've actually never been to Beijing of all, of all things. So, one of these days, yeah. I'll get there. Um, Amazing, suit. yeah. From what I can hear. Uh, so, when you were then studying in college, you, I'm sure, have a lot you could probably say about the pros and cons of of classroom learning um, yeah. versus sort of more uh, self guided or autodidactic learning. So, what, in your view, are the pros and cons then of of learning in a classroom versus learning outside of a classroom. Right. I mean, I guess if you want to start with the pros, if you don't know anything about a particular language, you, you, you get something, right? Mm-hmm. You get to, you get to be able to say you get to have nothing and you get to walk into the classroom and it, it's better than nothing. Right. right. So, yeah. So yeah. My, like, High praise. To my mind, that's the biggest pro. <laughs> yeah. Where, yeah. You know, like most people th- say, Hey, I want to learn a language, but do nothing. If you sign up for a class and you actually go to it, you have a reason right. to, 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 to be learning the language. Like you have a class you have to go to, right? That's another benefit. There's a structure, right? So when you sign up for a class, you're making a, you're making a point in time commitment. You're saying, I got to go do this. And then you, you like, because you signed up because you paid money because you're in class and you need credits, you, you have to go and do it. Right. So you end up learning something, right? So to my mind, that's kind of the biggest pro, the biggest con I kind of think it's like it's like mostly cons. Like I'm, I'm a really not a big fan of of, of classroom learning. Um, All right, so you're in a safe space here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. So, so like the biggest con is that most people don't learn anything. Like I've mm-hmm. been in lots of language classes in my life. I've taught language classes in my life. I actually still do. Yeah, like yeah, just and, kind and of I, like as a I, and that's the irony I think of of two language teachers to right. to <laughs> say that language classes are probably not the best. That's environment yeah. for learning. Yeah, it, it's What'd telling. Uh, so I taught mostly English when I was over in Japan and then okay. Taiwan. Um, but yeah. I have taught some Japanese as well. Uh, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so so like 
from my experience, most people are in absolutely nothing. Like most people, yeah. most people are there to fulfill some sort of requirement or because they came in with an idea that it would be cool to speak a language, but don't actually want to put it in the work. And, um, it's, it's, it's too, there's no accountability. Like it's too easy for people to sit through four years of high school Spanish and come out of that with absolutely no Spanish abilities whatsoever. Like it's just pitiful. I mean, I mean, I right. see, I see like that. It describes the experience of most U.S. high school students. Like people take mm-hmm. Spanish. Most high schools have a requirement where you have to study Spanish. So they sit through these classes for years and know nothing. Like it's it's just kind of yeah. it's ridiculous. I, it's a waste of time. I think if I were to be charitable, I'd say they do learn a lot about the language. They just don't <laughs> right. learn very much in or yeah. of the language. You know, right? Uh, and and that's, that's actually yeah, yeah. And that's just what that's the problem I think with treating a language as an academic subject when it's really more, right. I always say it's more like a sport or it's a, you know, it's right. much more of a physical than a um, cognitive thing. Obviously it's happening in your brain and it's, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so true. It's like, you're, it's like, you're kind of learning pieces of a, but you never actually put the puzzle together, you know? And so I spent in high school and middle school, six, seven, eight years learning Latin and to this day, I mean, I, not only can I speak no Latin, but I, I also can can barely read any. Like the way that we studied it was kind of like studying geometry. Like you just look at the declensions and you say, right. oh, what's the ablative case? And you just try to memorize it. But then after the test, you immediately forget it because you're never you're never really you're never really engaging with the language in a in a real way. Right. So and I think that um, actually, you know, specifically Latin when when Latin was studied through you know, the Middle Ages and up until pretty recently, uh, the way it was studied was, I think, informs a lot of the way we now teach foreign languages. Totally. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it makes sense because it was not a spoken language. It was a, you know, a language of literature. It was a, right. so you specifically would translate, you know, word by word, look up to your point, the declensions and yeah, it's a, it's a really unfortunate state of affairs. But the cool thing is, is you don't have to go through a classroom anymore. Not that you ever did, but especially now with things like YouTube and, and other tools. So if somebody does want to learn a language then outside the classroom, what in the heck do they do? Where do they start? What do they do? Yeah. I think this is maybe a good time to talk about your Korean experiment as well. So I, I've been kind of developing this method of learning languages where I, I, I tried doing it on this um this Korean challenge video that I made and um, I'm actually about half hour. So I'm going to try to repeat the thing in Fujonese, um, oh, wow. which is, which is, yeah, which is sort of like an obscure Chinese dialect. That, yep. um, a lot of people here in New York city actually speak, but that's pretty um, similar to Taiwanese, right? I think the, uh, is that, yeah, is that a subset is, of mean? Is that the, yes. Yeah. It's, okay. it's, it's a, it's a Minan language, but they're mutually unintelligible. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like, as are almost all the dialects. <laughs> Right, right. I, yeah, I hate even cr- saying. I mean, as a linguist, how, I'm like, don't call it a dialect. It's a language. <laughs> I know, I know. I know. This is political, yeah, it's, it's, not it's really, linguistic. It's yeah. crazy how linguistically diverse, yeah. Um, you know, Fujian is. Um, but but yeah, no. So 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 I'm trying to learn that. Um, and the way that the way that I've stu- like the way that I've been kind of approaching these like zero to something challenges has just been trying to learn like. The, the thing that I start with the first is how to have a basic conversation, right? So I try to learn those phrases first. So hello, goodbye, like, 
how are you? What's your name? Do you speak English? Do you speak Korean? You know, I can speak Korean. I'm American. And, um, like I, I tried to, I try to think in my mind, what is going to make like, like what's the minimum, what's the absolute minimum I need to learn to have a basic conversation. Like, I don't want to start with numbers. I don't want to start with colors, whatever animals, like all stuff is boring and useless. Like I want to start with this stuff with like the bare minimum that I can actually talk to somebody. Right. And then you might, you might say like, well, that's not really a foundation for language learning. Like you you can't just memorize stuff to like, and, and what I try to do is memorize these phrases, like memorize these sentences. And the obvious counterpoint is like, well, you need to learn the numbers. You need to learn the colors. My feeling is that you can learn that like as an organic process of learning language, right? So when you learn things, when you learn how to say like, I, yeah, exactly. Like I am Korean. Well, you, you've just learned a sentence where you've learned a a little bit of, you've learned a little bit of grammar in that, right? If you can say I'm Korean, maybe that also, you know, helps you say stuff like I am a software engineer or I am an American, right? You, you've learned a pattern, you know? And you know, when you learn, when you learn a sentence, like, I like, you know, Korean food, right? Mm-hmm. Or I like Chinese food. Well, or let's say I like eating Chinese food, right? That's like one sentence. But if you learn some more verbs, you can just fit everything into that pattern. I right. like eating American food or I like watching Korean TV. And there's, there's like there's like a whole universe of things that you can say that just open Indeed. up. So you learn the vocabulary in context. Right. Um yeah, you kind of expand on the basic conversation. Are you familiar with uh, Tim Ferriss's sort of dozen sentences that he uses to? Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind yeah, of similar I, yeah, idea. I, yeah, yeah. No, it, it totally is, and I actually use that. I use that. Um, I use that. That that um, those specific sentences. Like I learned those specific sentences when I was trying to learn Korean in twenty four hours, um, and I I spent like those were the first sentences I went over with my tutor. Like how yes. you know I. Can you give me like I I I give him the apple. Right. I give her that apple. Yeah. We eat the apple. You know. Yeah, they're not. Like they're that, not thrilling right? sentences. But um, for those that aren't familiar, they basically show you a mini template of like all the most basic patterns in the language. Um, you know, yep. and you can see like very quickly. Okay, does this language mark subjects or objects? For example, you know, are are yep. direct objects or indirect objects marked differently? Um, all sorts of stuff. You you get to your point. You get an amazing amount of uh, mileage out of a very small set of of structures, um, which I I like thinking of things that way instead of talking about grammar because then people's eyes close and they fall asleep on the desk instead say like yeah. structure. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I mean, the one thing the one thing that can be kind of tough with certain languages is um, like there's there's certain things that that I think do benefit with a degree of, with a degree of study that isn't necessarily by osmosis. So, Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking about Chinese languages in particular, where to learn the characters, there's a certain amount of study that comes with that, that is sort is a little bit more academic in nature. Um, the same I think holds with tones also, like particularly if you don't have a really good ear for them, Mm -hmm. those are, those are a real barrier for people. And, um, I think especially in the beginning stages, it really helps to, it really helps to try and learn Chinese tones, um, by looking at them like, 
like a math problem, right? Where you have like, mm-hmm. oh, second tone plus second tone, right. third tone plus third tone right. equals the first tone becomes a third, you know? Yeah, all, all so, the little, the tone sandy and all that stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think one brief little tangent, I think it's important also remember that, you know, listening and speaking and reading and writing are two very different beasts. And yeah. I think when most people think of language, they just kind of throw it all together and think it's, it's all part of the same right. package. But I, I always try to reiterate that listening and speaking are a natural, evolutionarily endowed part of being human, and right. reading and writing are a technology that was invented. And so yeah. I think how you go about learning those are, can be very different. So, so back yeah. to tones then. Um, so learning what each tone is uh, is something that you think is important. Um, learning some of the tone rules for Mandarin, because there are many. Do you recommend, for example, like recording yourself or using any kind of technology that matches yeah. what you said to what it actually should be? Yeah, no, I, I definitely I definitely do. I, I think that for a lot of people, I would say most people, tones don't tones don't really come naturally. We we, we do kind of have tonality in English, yeah. but it, we have intonation, it but yeah, it's right. It's, it's not on a uh, syllable by syllable level. Yeah. Right. Right. It, it's not a grammatical feature of the language. Yeah. You know what I mean, like, like it's, it's prosody. It's not baked it's, into it's, yeah. Right. So it doesn't come naturally to people. I do think that recording yourself and playing it back and playing it back with side by side recordings of how a native speaker would pronounce it is really helpful because I've definitely seen people study Mandarin or really any Chinese languages for, for years and just still not really be able to get a lot of accuracy in the tones. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's definitely one thing that I think is really important to you know get down early. I would also add real quick, make sure that you are imitating somebody that has the same register as you. I think a really common mistake is, you know, if you're listening to like a uh, female speaker and their register is <laughs> much higher and you're trying to match their frequency, you know, yeah. for your first tone, for example, like that's that's not going to go very well because it's, it's not an absolute value. It's all relative, yeah. you know. So my first tone is different than somebody else's first tone it's just that it's relative to my other t- anyway I, that's something that took me a, a, a lot of uh that, embarrassing <laughs> reps to figure out yeah that's fine i never ta, had that specific problem ta. <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so i've never had that specific problem that that is interesting but one problem that i have i have seen people encounter though is like if they only hang out with people of the opposite gender, yeah. which is, you know, that happens kind of naturally if you if you get a, uh, you know, a significant other who yeah. speaks a, that, that your target language, you end up talking like like if you learn the language from them. Yes. Well, now now all of a sudden, like you sound like a Chinese girl when you're talking. Yes. <laughs> and people, which people is fine. If it just depends on what your right. goals are and who. you Yeah. Right. I, I definitely I had that with Japanese when I started out. I was right. dating a woman from Japan in college, and yeah. Um, yeah, one of my male Japanese friends took me aside one day and he said, "Like, okay, your Japanese is getting pretty good, but you sound like a woman." <laughs> <laughs> Which you know, depending on the language, I mean, it's not just like intonation, but even word usage, or like in yeah. Japanese specifically, there's a lot of like sentence endings that are very different between men and women. So, yeah. Right. Good, good to know. Yeah, find if you can find a tutor on Italki or whatever who is the same gender. I yeah. think is ideal. Yeah, I spend lots of time. I mean, not not so much now, but when I was like in more active phases of learning, I really, really enjoy Italki. I think it's one of the best, mm-hmm. one of the best ways to learn a language. If if you don't, I mean, I do think like if you 
if you have native speaker friends or like tutors you can meet with in person, it's definitely better than mm-hmm. italki. But, you know, if you don't, then italki is an amazing, amazing tool. Right. Yeah, I think that's often a excuse or a obstacle that people just won't even get started. I mean, to your point earlier about the, the benefit of a classroom, it's like it's there and you can go and, and you know, it, you're removing that obstacle to, to even getting started. And people often will say that, like, well, I'd love to learn Japanese, but I live in Topeka, Kansas. Like, like, okay, do you have an internet connection? Yes. Red. Like, okay, <laughs> you, you have no obstacle. Like, you just got to literally go online anywhere. I mean, on your iPhone and sitting in your car during your lunch break. Yeah. Like, it's, it, it's not, it's no longer an obstacle, which yeah. is pretty darn amazing. I mean, this, this is a, a good time to be learning languages, I will say. Like there's so many cor- there's so many online courses now, mm-hmm. you know, for for language learning. Like there's a million online, you know, Japanese and Chinese textbooks. There are podcasts. There are there are YouTube you know, channels. There's there's writing software. Yeah. There's YouTube channels. Yeah, there's so many there's so many ways um, to learn this stuff online. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think with the caveat that like you don't you don't really want to get too caught up in the software and the books and and the and the courses like i think it's i think it's still best to try to, to try to be speaking with people like real people whenever possible but right. um you know barring that like yeah you know it's it's just it's just an amazing time to be learning like yeah. self studying languages for sure definitely i mean there is another caveat which is it's easy to get caught up in paralysis analysis trying to find yeah you know the perfect resource or yeah. um having you spreading yourself too thin amongst too many things. So definitely to your point, don't let that be another distraction or a excuse to spend all your time just, just on input. Cause that's really easy to do still with all this online stuff. Make sure yeah. you're actually talking with somebody. Um, but also I found, you know, don't, don't have a hundred browser tabs open. Just have one, <laughs> listen to one podcast, you know, find one YouTube channel you love and just, just yeah. do that. Um, yeah. so going back to sort of your, uh, your learning journey through Mandarin Chinese, um, a lot of people, they see the end result. They see you speaking, you know, Mandarin on YouTube, or they, they see someone like Richard Simcott or Benny Lewis, like speaking all these languages. And I, I think it can be simultaneously motivating, but also sometimes demoralizing for people that are more earlier on in the process and they're still struggling to understand yeah. everything or produce any language. So, uh, two questions back to back. How do you stay motivated through sort of the, the trough of, uh, this long-term process of learning language? And then two, what are some sort of fun or embarrassing <laughs> cultural or, or linguistic mistakes you've made along the way to, to show other people that that is, inevitable and part of the process and shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't stop you from keeping going. I mean, I think with, I think with regard to motivation, it's just by the constant real world feedback of actually taking the language out and practicing. So when, you know, every time, like, I mean, you know, my Mandarin's pretty good now, but when I first started studying, obviously it was, you know, much more difficult to communicate with people in real life. But every time, every time I tried to go out and use language, I tried to buy something, I tried to order something at the restaurant and, you know, I would just get a smile off like the waiter's face or like the person that I was buying vegetables from or fruits was like, Oh, that's so cool that, you know, 
you know, that word or like, like, like even if it's just one word or one sentence, one little yeah. phrase that, you know, like you can really just kind of make somebody's day with that, you know? And so like I was doing the stuff that I do on YouTube now, even when I just started mm-hmm. learning the language, like I only knew a little bit, but even just that little bit, like I would try to go out and use it. And so whenever I would get that, that like feedback from somebody being like, Oh, that's so cool. That, that would always serve as motivation for me to want to keep learning more and more. Like how far can I, how far can I take this? Um, yeah. As far as like, as far as like funny language mishaps or mistakes, like I can't really think of one in particular. I mean, Sometimes, sometimes I'll be, sometimes like even now when I'm making a YouTube video, so, you know, I just go and speak with people, um, I'll miss something that somebody said earlier in the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I just sort of like, like I didn't get it or, 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 or like I wasn't paying attention or I didn't understand what they said. And we just go and we just kind of talk, we move on to the next thing. But then when I rewatch the YouTube video, (laughs) I'm like, whoa, I, that's yeah. what they were saying. Right, right. <laughs> I'm like, so I just start cracking up. I'm like, oh, yeah. I can't believe I get that or I missed that. Right. You know, so um, that's always that's always kind of funny. Kind of funny, yeah. And that's a testament to the fact you don't have to understand everything right. that is said yeah. to have a conversation. Like, you know, even in our native languages. I mean, we, we miss stuff all the time. We might understand the literal meaning of what somebody says, but we miss the sort of substrate of what they really meant you know yeah so yeah that is one funny thing in general about making you know content whether whether that's video or audio about yourself like when you go over and review what you've like i spend every day just watching what i've said to people Mm -hmm. or what i've said to myself you know and um like when you do that you really you really kind of like you learn how you talk and interact in a way that most people don't really spend a lot of time doing, Indeed. but, but that, that process is actually kind of interesting because, um, particularly when you're learning another language, uh, because you, you, it, it helps you learn the language. Like you just mm-hmm. go, you just keep going over and over and over. Like, what did I say? What did she say in this conversation? Why did she say that? Like, why did I say that? And you just keep, you keep, you keep practicing that and repeating it and you get better at it. And the next time Absolutely. somebody says that to the street, you're going to know what they say. Right. You know, and, and you're going to have a better response too. Definitely. You have the added benefit too, that you have a way to measure your progress over time. Cause I think a lot of people, they, they get frustrated because they think they're not improving, but if they were to actually go back and listen to themselves, you know, three months, six months, a year ago, they'd be like, Oh my gosh, I, I've actually come a long, long way. It's just, it happens yeah. so incrementally. You don't feel it or notice it on a daily basis. Right. One one incredible illustration of this was when I did this, I did this video where I, um, you know, spent spent twenty four hours learning Korean, and it was a fascinating process because as I was like I was editing this video and it just felt like such a time warp because mm-hmm. I could when I first like when I first started editing. The, video i spoke no korean Mm -hmm. and then when i ended it i definitely wasn't fluent you know not even close to fluent 
but I spoke something. I, you know, I knew right. how to pronounce words. I, I could have like a very simple conversation. And I was watching myself in the, in the, the first part of the video, struggling with how to pronounce certain things. And it was so, it was, it was such like an, an eerie and interesting process. Um, I definitely think that, that every time you learn a new language, you kind of get a new soul almost mm -hmm. in that language and, um, a new like personality and new, you know, so, uh, it's a, it's a fascinating process watching that develop. Are you still learning Korean now or is that something on the radar going forward? We, yeah, it's potentially on the radar right right now. It's a little bit on hold just, um, just because like, I think, I think with language learning, like you really need to, it's, it's one thing that I think a lot of people don't get is like how much time and effort it takes to really learn a language. Well, mm -hmm. like it's a really, really time intensive process. And, um, for me, for me, like the, 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 the value proposition for learning, like for investing a huge amount of time in Korean right now, isn't really there just because like, I don't really live near any Korean neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't live in Korea and, um, you know, so like, I would love to learn Korean. Like that'd be amazing. I'd love to be able to speak it, but it's not worth the, the right. effort for me to put it right now. Um, whereas something like there's other Chinese languages like Cantonese or, or Fujonese that, that I could learn and spend a lot less effort learning them because I already speak, you know, Mandarin. Right. Um, those languages are much more similar to Mandarin than, than Korean is. It'd be a lot easier for me to learn them. Um, and also like I live right in the middle of a neighborhood where everybody speaks Cantonese and Fujinese. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, I can learn it and then I can immediately go out right. to the streets and, 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 and practice it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I always say you need a strong enough why, you know, it, right. it, it would be nice. It's not a good why. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, you have an immediate need for it. So, so, okay. Fast forward then to today, uh, or these days, what does a typical day of language learning look like for you? You know, what do you do? When do you do it? And why do you do those things? Yeah. So right now, I mean, right now, most of my, most of my attention is, um, is like focused on my, you know, YouTube channel slash slash business. Um, if I'm learning, if I'm learning a, a, like I'm always in, I guess, maintenance mode with Mandarin, you know, like I, I, um, um, you know, I'm, I'm speaking it all the time. Um, I mean, just, just like, you know, I live in a very Chinese neighborhood, you know, I buy stuff in Chinese all the time. I'm a Chinese wife. So, you know, like I'm always speaking Chinese. Um, I would say, I would say with other, with other languages, like the, for me, the process. So I'm actually going to going to learn Fujonese in about half an hour. Like I have a friend coming over, we're going to study together. Nice. So the way that, the way that I plan to approach this, you know, from, from like a, uh, from a, a zero to 60 kind of standpoint is, um, you know, I have a list of sentences that I want to learn, um, a list of like basic phrases, conversational stuff. Um, I'm going to try and learn how to, how to say these with him. You know, I'm going to record everything that he says. Mm -hmm. So each sentence, I'm going to have a separate audio file for. Um, there is a romanization scheme for Fujinese, um, but it's it's 
it's quite complicated and most people, most Fujonese speakers don't know how to use it. Like it's a very academic ah, scheme. Okay. Um, so I'm not, I'm not going to have any romanization scheme. I'm just going to try and write that approximate what it sounds mm-hmm. like to me. Are and there then, more tones than Mandarin? Is it more like Cantonese? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Cantonese. And apparently the tonal scheme is even more complicated than Cantonese or Mandarin. Like there's consonant changes too. There's a lot of weird stuff going mm, on with that. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, so I'm just, I'm going to try to get, you know, as accurate a transcription of what these, of how to say stuff. Um, I'm going to try to speak them with him, try to develop basic, like have a basic conversation with him using what I've learned. Um, and then I'm going to go back and try and listen, listen to the sentence, listen to what he said, try and try and repeat it. Um, and then try and learn, try and learn more vocabulary. Like when I've learned these, I've learned some of these basic things that I can say, try and try and add stuff to that. So whether that's with Anki or just, Mm -hmm. or just like kind of like labeling stuff in my apartment, Mm -hmm. you know, certain things, um, just going to try and learn, just going to try and learn how to say more stuff like, okay, you can say food, but do you know how to say apple? Do you know how to say like noodles, you know, like just tack that stuff on to what you've already learned. And then I'm going to try and actually go out and use it. You know, so just go down to the other street where everybody speaks Fujinese and um, try and try and like buy vegetables using the language, like ask how much. Right. See if you can understand when they say 350. Yeah. Yeah. Then give them money. Say thank you. You know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Right. So. So. But just like do that on my lunch break for fun. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my. um that's like that's like a typical day and how I would try and how I would try and approach studying a new language. Yeah, that's great. I love the immediacy and the you know high context way that you're going to go out and practice that because yeah. instead of you know as we've already talked about instead of just trying to learn random lists of words about colors and animals, you're like I'm I need to learn some vegetable terms because I'm about to go buy right. some vegetables. <laughs> yeah. I think that's really really powerful. Yeah, exactly. So just kind of to wrap up, uh, we mentioned a few resources already, things like italki and, and Anki, which for those who aren't familiar, that's a space repetition flashcard si- system, one of the, the OGs. Um, are there any other favorite resources that you use either in general or specifically for, for Mandarin or some of these other languages that you'd recommend? You know, I just saw, I just saw a, um, I haven't actually used it, but it, um, I think Google just recently rated it as their top Android app of the year or something. Um, it's, it's an app called Oblo, hmm. which is, um, it's a lab, it's an app designed, uh, it's, I don't know if it's specifically designed for language learning, but it has, it has a language learning bent where it's designed for, it's designed for making friends, uh, around the world. So you can okay. pick like a country. Yeah. So if you just go to this, I'm looking at the website now, it's Oblo, A-B-L-O dot live. And you just, huh. you just, um, so it's kind of like, is it like yeah. Hello Talk sort of in that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It seems sort of similar. That That's another one that I that I use and really like. Um, so, you know, you can basically make friends from other parts of the world. And there are tools built into the app for, um, for, for messaging people and translating what they say into mm-hmm. your language. Um, and uh, just, you know, making friends in general. Cool. Um, 
so that's 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 yeah those 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 apps are really are really useful and fun um i was never a fan of 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 duolingo i i've i've used it a few times and i know that a lot of people like it um but to me to me it never really felt like i was learning was actually learning that much i don't know i, I know that some people have good experiences with yeah. it so i don't really want to bad mouth it i um i think it but be I, great I do really enjoy man. anki like i yeah I, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It's probably it's probably a good augmenting tool. I, I think that my um, biggest yeah, just, my biggest beef with with just real quick my biggest beef about Duolingo because I yeah I think it's pros and cons. But it, back to what we talked about earlier, I think you're going to learn a lot about your language, but it's not teaching a lot of direct ability in the language. Yeah, you know, dragging your dragging uh, words into the right order on the screen. It's like that has almost no relationship to actually talking to somebody right. in the real world. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, sorry to interrupt, Gary. Um, yeah, and then and then obviously Italki is really important, um, and uh, you know Anki is good. I would say I would say for Anki and just similar kind of like memorization flashcard software, you need to be a little careful with those. I, when, when I started yeah, learning okay. Chinese, I, I got into I got into this kind of like rut where where I was spending, I was literally trying to trying to learn like 50 new cards a day and it it was it was it was like it was almost silly because because i would try to memorize these words and phrases and a lot of them i would just keep forgetting because i I wasn't into them i wasn't really interested in those phrases i would just kind of throw everything into my dictionary yeah and I, i would also realize that in real life conversation i didn't necessarily like i wouldn't necessarily be able like i would be like oh shit i know the anki word yeah um but I, I, I like I can see the card in my mind, but I can't necessarily say it at this moment. Right. So I think Anki is a good supplemental tool for just for learning more vocabulary. But you can't you can't let it become your sole agreed your sole language learning method. Yep. Um, just just really doesn't work like right. that. Well, it's not again. It's not direct. I think as much as you can try to yeah. practice the skill yeah. you want to learn directly. It's like you you can't get better at speaking unless you're speaking. You can't get better at listening right. unless you're listening. Yeah, that's 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 so true. And it took me it took me a while it took me a while to to really learn that. Like I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people, especially when you're younger, you just have this kind of like Ronin sort of feeling where you're like, <laughs> oh shit, I'm just gonna go and like meditate under this tree for right. like for like a year with my Anki and come right. out speaking perfect Chinese. Like right. it, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Like you have to speak, you have yeah. to, you have to like fuck up a lot, you know? So yep. before you're actually like, you can actually say anything like, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, it's messy. It's unpredictable. It's, it's intimidating. It can be scary. You don't have yeah. time. I mean, it makes perfect sense why you'd want to go in your little cave and just, focus all your time on on reading because you have time you can look up every word you don't know which is yeah. a terrible way to learn by the way I've, I've, I've done that um you know you can listen to something and pause it every five seconds again and be like what did they say go back and repeat it again you know those things are helpful potentially but again you're not going to get fluent speaking that way yeah. which is what most people want that is one thing that i'll add that that i haven't really mentioned yet which is um i think the importance of listening so you really need to uh, just try and expose yourself with with as much audio as you can. Mm-hmm. I, I was sort of I was sort of inspired in this a little bit when I first started learning Chinese um, by this guy. Do you know all Japanese all the time? Oh yeah, dot com. Huge huge yeah. inspiration for me. Yeah, in fact, he's right. I've so, interviewed him as well. Yeah, 
Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, um, you know, that, that was always like, like, I don't think I, I don't quite think it's, it's kind of like only listening is as important as, you know, as he makes it out to be, but it, it definitely is something where, like if you if you are listening to a lot of like when I was when I was in China in my dorm room I would just have I would just have the TV on constantly and and you would notice that certain that certain particularly from advertisements would just get drilled into your brain to the point where you could just say like you would just say, every time like even till this day like every time I I see a piece of meat particularly in the context of Chinese food the first thing that comes to my brain is somebody from an advertisement on Chinese television from 10 years ago where they're saying how like a lot of meat. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, and I just, that just comes to mind. I'm like, Oh, how you know, I just, I just think that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, listening, listening does listening a lot does work. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, to your point, listening alone is not enough. Just like any of these yeah. things alone are not enough. It's listening a lot. And then, applying what you're learning and speaking. Um, and also just listening alone without any context isn't going to work. I mean, you know, if you just have like a Chinese radio on and you have never learned any Chinese and you're not actively learning the language, you're not going to learn Chinese, just listening to the Chinese radio, right? You have, you have to have context and you have to have some kind of, uh, way to make it comprehensible. Uh, Very true. Anyway. Awesome. Well, Final words then, if somebody is trying to get started in Mandarin or if they've been at it for a little bit and are, are struggling to keep going, what, do you have any words of encouragement or any pro tips for them to, you know, really get out of the rut? Yeah. Um, find a friend. It's uh, who wants to be a millionaire. Like, just just use your phone a friend option. <laughs> like, just go find a real person mm-hmm. to talk to and talk to them. Try to figure out something to say have a conversation, find somebody with mutual interests, you know, and just like talk, like it's the easiest thing in the world to do too, because there's literally millions of Chinese people who want to learn English with you. So Mm. like actually a a billion, (laughs) yeah, a billion. Right. And and it's, it's, it's like, if you literally right now, if you go to italki.com and you create an account that says I speak English and I'm looking to learn Chinese and you're active on italki, you will get inundated, inundated like every single day, some Chinese person will message you being like, Hey, do you want to learn Chinese with me? Right. So right. like, like there's no, there's no reason why you can't do this other than time, obviously. But if you have the time and the motivation to want to learn a language, it's the easiest thing in the world to find Chinese speaking friend who you can just chat with right. for free. Right. You can right. Right. speak to them half an hour in English. They speak to you in, in Chinese for half an hour, right. right. In, in, in Mandarin, Cantonese, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever variety of Chinese you want to learn. And you can make the time. I, I hate that excuse. People say, I don't have time. It's like, Okay, how many hours of Netflix do you watch a day? Right. How much time do you spend on Facebook a day or Instagram? It's like you have the time, right. you just don't have the priority. So. Yeah, no, no, no. That that's that that's exactly like I I think that's so, like you yeah yeah you you always have the time. Um, the question is like, is it motivated time? Right? Like if you Good if point. you if you have an hour and you're just not you're not you're not like if you have an hour of class every day, but you have no motivation to learn it, like right. you're just wasting your time, right? So yeah. so like back to the why you need you need a strong juicy why yeah totally yeah i love it yeah so those are those three excuses i think we've kind of eviscerated pretty well today it's you know i don't live where language is spoken i i don't have the money to take classes or or go abroad and then i don't have time so i think if you can put those three myths away you know you're you're well on your way to 
yeah. learning a language anywhere in the world. Awesome. All right. Totally. Well, uh, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? Um, yeah, so you can definitely check out my YouTube channel at um, Xiaoma NYC. It's X-I-A-O-M-A-N-Y-C. So I do kind of like, you know, sort of funny or, or interesting, um, like, kind of, you know, videos where I talk to people in Chinese in the street and also a bunch of, like, I have a big Chinese audience um, on YouTube as well. Um, but, you know, the videos that most of my, like, I would say like American or English speaking fans are interested in mm-hmm. um, are these sort of videos where I go around and chat with people in Chinese in the street. Um, and then um, I also have another channel where I, I talk a lot about language learning in particular. It's um, it's my it's a, it's a channel that's mostly in English um, and that's just R-E-A-R-I in Beijing. So you can check that out. That'll be linked from my Xiaomai NYC channel on YouTube. Awesome. And I'll put all those in the show notes for sure. Cool. cool. Well, I better let you get to your uh Fujonese study yeah. yeah good luck with that it sounds <laughs> that sounds exciting and uh awesome yeah really fun chatting with you today and hopefully we'll uh have a, a chance to meet up in in meet space one of these days in new york or wherever so absolutely yeah cool, all right jayo jayo thank you thank all you right. thanks for listening before you go real quick i'm excited to announce that i've just opened up a trial of tutoring and coaching so if you're learning english Japanese or Mandarin Chinese, go to languagemaster.com, click on tutoring and coaching at the top and learn more. See you next Language Mastery Monday.